0: You're listening to the A. Scully cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A. Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you, listeners?
1: (laughs) Um, Do you want them to talk back? Because...
0: It's tricky. Is that is that not how this works? No. Oh, I it's, thought a could, I thought way, it, it's a one way.
1: It's a one way radio. I
0: thought I could hear something. Is that not? <laughs> well, one, is that? That's another issue. Is that not? Listening what was the, before backwards? the
1: after the show discussion? Do you remember? No. What we're talking about? I only about have Godzilla's, a memory. Godzilla's and King Kong's of decades past. Uh, getting a microphone correct. That's about it. Mostly King Kong, and Godzilla.
0: Correct. Um, also, oh, I'll go get into that in my uh, A. Scully part. We talked about something else, but I'll save that. All right. It's, it is Saturday, July the 22nd. This is after the show number 489. We are a podcast. We review movies. We review one every week. And this week's movie is Kong Skull Island. It's a 2016 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on the 18th of July, so you can pick that one up now. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers, who sent us a copy for review, rated PG-13, and Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Kong Skull Island.
1: Really? Some people go to an island, and there's a big giant gorilla? Is he a gorilla?
0: Yes, he's a gorilla.
1: And there's some other giant stuff? I mean, uh, come on. If you're, if you're more than five minutes old, you're going to know what King Kong's all about. Yeah. This time is just another version Uh,
0: correct so uh, moving on to Kong Skull Island Um, we in 2014 we reviewed uh, Godzilla which this film is the sequel to even though it's not concerning Godzilla but it's Warner Brothers new monster verse as they call it so we're getting introduced to Kong now who we already know anyway but here he is Um, and I liked Godzilla Siddharth didn't remember much about Godzilla, so I went back and read her review to her, and she still didn't really remember much. (laughs) Apart from the review kind of said she liked it, kind of. She had some... But anyway, yeah, I was about the same. My complaints about Godzilla were there wasn't much Godzilla, and there was a lot of people, and I just wanted Godzilla, really. There wasn't much of it. So, Kong Skull Island, um, first off, I'd like to say I really enjoyed this movie. It's not a masterpiece kind of mo- anything, but as a popcorn flick, I think it was really good, you know?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, do you get what I'm saying, though? It's not like... Sure. It's fairly uh, shallow, Like, and there's not much story or character development or anything. It's really... It's almost like movies like Day After Tomorrow uh where it's really about the spectacle and the humans and the stories of the humans are just kind of thrown in there but the spectacle is good enough to overlook that stuff and this movie has uh industrial light and magic that the CGI and I think it's some of the really good CGI like it I never was like oh god that looks crappy was you like that?
1: No there was no and I'm pretty on spot for that. The only the only ones were like humans flying through the air looked a bit Yeah. Yeah now a little weird a couple of times but
0: I was fine with it. But literally fully realized over a hundred foot King Kong stood in the broad daylight um attacking a bunch of helicopters and I was like, Wow like we've come a long way with CG and this this just looks it looks like it's happening. Like he throws a tree. And it just goes yeah throughout. that well,
1: that was in the trailer I remember and I was like, whoa I'd forgotten <laughs> I was like, oh shit
0: so this is a giant King Kong spoilers he's the biggest King Kong you've seen and is he a King Kong or is he just a Kong
1: well they well he's Kong and they call him the King of the Island so yeah
0: so well there might be some spoilers um during this review so go and see this movie it's out now and then come back and listen to what we say about it. Uh, So that's your warning. So I just want to say, um, this movie takes place in the 70s, um, around the time of the Vietnam War, which I really liked. I think it gave it a, well, obviously, they do the um, cliched, play every hit song from the Vietnam era during the movie, including playing it from helicopters uh, like they did in Apocalypse Now. Uh, that was a thing in Vietnam War. That's not a movie thing. That was an actual thing. They had hi-fi systems installed onto the helicopters, and it was, to, it was for morale for the troops, but it was also to put fear into the enemy when they heard American music coming across the sky. They kind of knew that shit was about to go down. So it was a weird, like, <laughs> we're, we're America, and this is our music, and it was also a keep the troops happy by listening to the music. But this movie does that at one point. Um, but I liked that it was set in Vietnam era. Did you like that?
1: Uh, that's my least favorite part. I didn't think it was necessary. What? It didn't add anything to it to me. I don't think that... If you're going to explore the idea of these soldiers who have the Vietnam War is now ended on the day that they get recruited to go to go on this map mind finding mission or whatever mapping mission under the cloak of a lie. Um, if you're going to explore that he can he tried to big it up in the extras, you know, these soldiers are now leaving a dangerous place and they're going to another dangerous place and it's a war torn country. And I mean, our, um, America's politics were... he didn't explore any of that. It was just, here's some guys who've been fighting in Vietnam, which sucked, and now we're going to put them in this situation. Because they're all tough? No, they weren't all tough. They were tough in terms of defending everybody, but they were just normal characters. There wasn't a lot of exploring that, so it could have been anybody in any time frame. So I didn't think that... I think that it was an excuse to use the music yeah, and references and, um, you know referencing back Apocalypse Now and all that kind of stuff, which is not original. It's not that interesting to me, because if I want to watch Apocalypse Now, I'll go watch it. If I want to watch a Vietnam movie, I'll go watch him. So that part, to me, didn't forward the story or make it any better at all.
0: Now I liked that aspect of it. I liked the aspect that this comes quite a long time before Godzilla, that we just saw the first movie. And then it gives... This Godzilla... This Kong is massive, but then they make reference to that it's still young and it, it will be growing. So by the time we get to modern day for this next Godzilla movie and uh, Godzilla vs. Kong movie, which is going to happen, Kong's going to be. How big is he going to be then? <laughs> is he going to be twice the size? That will be a bit weird. Well, he has to be about twice the size, otherwise, he'd be tiny compared to Godzilla, right?
1: Yeah, he's, well, we were just discussing this. Yeah, he needs to be big. They he need to be, always be bigger. We need our Kong and then other subsequent creatures and monsters and whatnot. I don't think Kong is a monster. Um, To be so huge that there's actually no way we can defeat them, that's the movie I want to see.
0: Yes. Um. So this movie, uh, aside from the great special effects, um, it's got a lot of humor to it. It's kind of a bit cheeky. Did you find that? I, I a little bit, it, yeah. It goes a bit too cheeky sometimes for the situations that are happening, um, like, almost, it's almost doesn't know kind of what it wants to be. Sometimes it's like like funny, and then sometimes it's really serious, and then sometimes it's really menacing, and then sometimes it's funny. Somebody cracks a one-liner during like some horrendous thing that's happening and you're like very horrendous like yeah that's not really it doesn't feel right that part to me like but I understand it's that movie thing isn't it like um The Day After Tomorrow or Independence Day or those kind of movies they try to go along those lines where they're kind of like having fun but it's like this horrendous situation that's going on too I have to say that the Skull Island is beautiful it was filmed in Vietnam mostly um Really, really impressive looking, I thought, the movie in general. Yeah, it
1: looked really good.
0: Uh, Even if you subtract the CG stuff, the actual environment is amazing looking. I liked the, they get to like a village of people that looked awesome too. I liked the, the design of, they built a wall, not to keep Kong out, right?
1: Well, we learned that, yeah.
0: Yeah, but they built this big wall. It looks like a wall to stop something coming in. But when boats come in and out of this wall, I liked how the logs lifted up. Yeah, that was cool. cool, Yeah, there's, like, really cool design in this. There's, like, you know, skulls of other big animals that are just scattered around and stuff, so it looks like this place that something horrible happened on, you know? (laughs) Um, There are interesting creatures that, that, you know, if you came just to see Kong, he's not the only thing in this movie. There are other, what are they called, those other things?
1: They didn't have a name.
0: He, he just caught, gave them a name. He even gave them a name, didn't skull he?
1: crawlers, but
0: that's not their name. Yeah, so but that's imma- what the guy called them. So imagine like a lizard. It's a giant lizard, though. <laughs> and it's got like a...
1: Its head looks like a skull.
0: Yeah, its head looks like or a...
1: skeleton skull, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, it's weird. They're, they're very sinister looking. They move really fast. They'll eat you. Just They just chomp on people. They chomp on Kong. You know, they're really, really fast. They're a... They're a dangerous enemy for well, conveniently because they've they wrote it like that. But they're a dangerous enemy for Kong and a dangerous enemy for humans. So, you know, Kong might not be the ultimate baddie. He might be he might actually be an ally eventually, that kind of thing. Like the absolutely. Like, so they're kind of the primary enemy. But there's also other things. I, I believe the things we saw seem to be the tip of the iceberg for that island. I don't think we see everything. Like, if there's a log, a guy sits on a log, and the log stands up and kind of scurries away. So it's like a stick insect, but made out of a log. Yeah. If that exists, then there's probably way more things than we saw there, right? They only chose to show us certain creatures. You know the part where they had to, What were they? Like, um... Well, he talked about ants...
1: Yeah, we didn't see them.
0: No, he said they sound like birds, but they're actually ants. But they, these giant ants, we didn't see them, though. They're just mentioned. There's those weird birds that are like pterodactyls, but I don't think they are. I'm not sure what they are exactly. No, they were creepy, though. Yeah. Um, so it's really like a prehistoric island. It's like, you know, it's not T-Rexes running about and stuff, but like in Peter Jackson's King Kong, which literally just had a T-Rex running about. But it's close to that. It feels like an old... You know the monster movies that I taught, like Land of the Lost, that kind of thing? Not mm-hmm. Land of the Lost, the funny one, like the the one that I always talk yeah. about. Those old monster movies where stop-motion dinosaurs show up. It kind, This whole movie had the feel of one of those movies. So I like that, I appreciate that, because it we don't see those type of movies so often. And we watch Stangoolie every uh, Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, and there's a lot of this kind of movie but older like we've just we've watched this year most of the original Godzilla movies and um, these movies do capture the feeling of those movies I think I, th- I think they capture the feeling of them pretty well they just obviously look better and are more technically advanced there's no guy in a suit in these movies even though it probably is a guy in a suit originally isn't it to do the motion capture for the, for the Kong oh yeah so, um, yeah, as far as it looks, it sounds, um, the st- like I say, the story's a little lightweight, I think, because it it's like Predator, that kind of movie. It's literally get some people into a place, here's the threat, deal with the threat, and then end the movie, right? There's nothing more yeah. substantial than that. It doesn't go anywhere. It's There's no like, huge reveal or anything that you'd be, like, surprised by. I don't think. It's pretty much what it says on the box, and it is very economical of doing that. There's no sitting back at the end and going, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. Because they pretty much do all the points. Like you said about the female character in this movie. it's They say it's different than female characters previous and as we know from Kong movies, female characters, generally, Kong gets them somehow, like, captures them, and then they make, they have a bond with Kong, and then Kong won't do anything to them. He, he, he will always, like, look after them. Yeah. Now, this movie doesn't go that far, but it really does the same thing But at the end, didn't you think? Same thing. It doesn't go as far as... Him taking a woman back to his little nest lair place and like looking at her and she.
1: Yeah, but for no explanational reason or ex, no, there's no explanation because there are other humans on this island. Right. There are other women on this island and they're all painted up or however they, you'll call really, Yeah. Yeah. There's no explanation why, as Kong stands, there are looking at her standing on a little ridge. Then she walks up and puts her hand on his nose and he's like...
0: <gasps> Which has is the a tear
1: old. run down of her cheek and she holds her hand on his nose. Now, to claim that you're not trying to show a woman bonding with Kong and that this woman is any different than all the others is bullshit. I mean... Because that's exactly what you're doing. And you don't take the time or the effort to make her an actual character. She's just... If you took her out of this movie, what would be different?
0: Um, it would. There would be no women in this I movie. I understand,
1: but I'm saying, what would be different about the story? Nothing. She doesn't move anything forward. No. If- she reminds everybody about the war, because she's a war anti- anti-war photographer. She's there to take pictures, and then they all claim, well, you're going to be the one to leak out the secret in the end because of your pictures, well, then, whatever. But that doesn't do anything for the story.
0: And like in the original even in Peter Jackson's King Kong, the photographer was a man. The guy who's making a movie on the on the island, he was a man. In this, she she isn't a typical damsel in distress. That's the difference, I guess, because she isn't right, even though
1: um, she's kind of. I yeah. think she
0: becomes a damsel in distress as the movie goes on. Yeah, At the that's beginning, what I'm saying. I don't think they're consistent with it because at the beginning they try to establish her as like, oh, she can look after herself, but then the further the movie goes on,
1: yeah, she doesn't contribute anything. She
0: needs Kong and she needs, uh, you know, rugged. Tom exactly. Higleston. Yeah. So she doesn't
1: save anybody. She doesn't contribute anything, and so I think this whole propaganda bullshit about oh. We're modern. I'm a groovy director with a big beard. I'm making a woman character that counts. Bullshit. You're not doing anything. You're doing the same woman character, but you're not, and you're dressing her just as provocatively. It's just a modern Laura Croft kind of provocatively, you know, where our sensibilities might be a little bit different. I just think that was my, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what is she doing here? Because I understand the role that, Jessica Lang plays in the 76 one. She is the damsel in distress. She plays the role. She is the lost little soul. She's the lost little girl. The dude falls in love with her. She's the one that Kong migrates to. And then in the city, he needs, he finds her. He wants to protect her or whatever. And then in the end, she's the connection of humanity to King Kong, right? While she's the damsel in distress, which is not the best kind of character, she plays a role. She has a significance. If in this one they had made her more weak or more strong, she would have had a place. You, um, As it is, is just neutral. And that is more aggravating to me than making her a damsel in distress.
0: And she is the only female in this movie. It is a sausage party. It is, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but she doesn't bother me. I don't really care about that. I know a lot of people take issue with that sometimes. I couldn't care less. But if you're going to do it, like, don't pretend. That's the thing. If they really are convinced that they made a, a strong woman character that's the that's the saddest part cuz they're not that's not accurate
0: mm, Yeah, um, i wouldn't say she's not a strong woman character but What's strong would, about her well she's this she's an anti-war photographer right? which is kind we understand of controversial that
1: she, we understand that she's done that we see no evidence of that we don't see her in action we don't see her being strong or Taking any stand against anything or for anything. I mean,
0: we do from we just from dialogue. We do. We know that like people have said, people say like, oh, we yeah, but saw. that
1: doesn't that doesn't help this story. You could have said, here's a picture of her, and this was a lady who was a war photographer, and that would have had the same impact as having her stand there as a character. Yeah, because she doesn't go on in this story to do that. She's not even like sneaky and taking these pictures and then we don't get any clue that she's like kind of conniving in that oh i'm gonna go back home and make a million dollars off of this right if you added that to her character at least then she has some motivation she has some substance to her good or bad but there's none of that so
0: i mean Faye ray in the original she is literally the damsel in distress she um she, there's nothing, mm-hmm. she's just, ha, 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 with her hands, and, yeah. you know, it's very... But she
1: that plays a role, because Kong connects with her, it's a human, that he's, for some reason, again, we don't know why he would be drawn to her, I mean, they sacrifice women in that one, so she comes up as a sacrifice, and for some reason he finds her attractive, and we're supposed to, we're just brainwashed to realize, oh, she's a beautiful Hollywood star, therefore she's more beautiful than all the other... Women, but then you look up where he goes and there's actual skeletons where he lives. So he probably does this to all the women, drags them up there and then accidentally kills them all. I don't know what the deal is, but at least she has a purpose. She's not trying not to be a damsel and she's not trying not to be strong. She's actually that. She's the woman that all the men want to protect. So that is a role. Yeah. To play.
0: Also, I would also say to you, if you watch this movie, stay tuned after the credits. And this isn't one of those, like, the Marvel movies where, like, a minute into the credits they show you another scene. You have to wait till the very end, which is, like, five minutes. I bet a lot of people don't. They walk out of the cinema. They're done, right? Um, But right after the credits, right at the very end, five minutes later, there is a scene that sets up the next uh, movie in this monsterverse. So... If you
1: do, we have to call it the monster verse. <laughs>
0: well, that's what it is. Something I understand, it, is but it's so annoying. But I mean, it's quite a cool little scene that, if you're a fan of Godzilla and Kong and related things, you might get a bit of get a kick out of. And I I imagine there are a lot of people who didn't see that scene in the cinema and just what you know, putting the putting one of those little stinger things right at the very end after five to seven minutes of credits. I don't know how many people stay for that. We do. Always, right? Yep, always. Yeah, always. Because I even stayed... I knew there was nothing at the end of A Force Awakens and Rogue (laughs) One. Yeah, we still sit and watch the whole credits because... Of course. I know there's nothing, but I want to see the whole film. I've always
1: stayed for the credits, and I won't claim to be Miss Cinematic, person, Miss Cinema. I used to stay in the credits because when I did live in Florida, I'd go to movies that were relatively crowded. There were lots of more people in the city and i did not want to be elbow to elbow front to back butt to front of people rushing out the door so i would just stay in my seat and wait till everybody else left the theater and in the process after many many dozens of movies i just it became a habit and i've always done it
0: um, so yeah stick around there's a scene that is real fun and if you're a fan of these monsters you'll see some monsters that you might not have expected
1: yeah, let's just make it clear, King Kong is not a monster. Every single movie, every story that you hear about him, he's not the bad guy.
0: No, he's not. In fact, what's the line at the end of uh, the movie? The- it was beauty the- that killed the beast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that doesn't tell you anything about his character, but yeah.
0: I mean, they call him a beast.
1: He's not I mean, a monster. He's know. a sentient, thinking, plotting, planning creature who's been abandoned. Or not abandoned, but... Is the last of his creature. Always is the last of his kind, as far as from what I remember all the stories that I've seen. I've never read any other fan fiction or anything on the side about him. um. So I only go by the movies, but yeah, he's not a monster.
0: So moving on to the cast in this movie, uh, Tom Hiddleston plays James Conrad. Now I have to say, right up front here, I didn't think he... I didn't enjoy him at all. <laughs> I thought there was nothing to him, like...
1: So you sound like me with the woman. I think she did a fine job,
0: but no, there was Tom nothing. No, Tom I, I he, he literally did nothing for me. I didn't think he was charismatic. I didn't think he was really like an action hero type guy. He didn't... Yeah, I kept thinking of Nathan Drake from the Uncharted movies, and probably when they get around to making them, they might use him, because he kind of reminds me of him a bit. But there's no charisma to him. Like, I mean, there is in other movies, don't get me wrong. I like him as Loki. But in this, I didn't I didn't pick anything up from him, you know. I don't know if it was the writing or it was him or what. Like he didn't really have much to work with. He just I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he's the same? Do you think he's like Brie Larson, who plays the female character? He just feels as inconsequential as she does.
1: I thought you didn't think she was inconsequential. Well,
0: as you were saying, you <laughs> yeah. thought she felt... Yeah. I feel that he feels the same. Like, it's just I an char- empty character. I don't
1: put that up to the to the performers, though. I, I, what you said was he didn't have a lot to work with. And while his character is... He's the guy that's been the... He's the navigator. Like, so governments and the army, whoever, hire him as a... Not a mercenary, but as the guy to get them through rough... Terrain, he's their guide or whatever, and he obviously has to be tough to be able to do that and to head up a group of people, and that's it. So, by the time we meet him, we don't get an indication. And it could be trite though if you said if you played him as he's tired of all this shit, he just wants to retire, and this is the last big time, and you guys pay, give me enough money and I can get out of this racket. It doesn't have any of that. You don't get any sense of past or future with him. He's just. He's not even super cynical. No. He's just like, give me the money.
0: He's not even like a wisecracking one-liner Mm-mm. guy.
1: I agree. I mean, I didn't dislike him at all. But I understand what you're saying. Another neutral, yeah. not offensive, not super funny, not super serious. He was pretty serious, but not like...
0: Not really any anything. Serious. Like, like, I was thinking, if they kill him...
1: I don't care (laughs) Speaking of killing, spoiler alerts uh, Not him, but I mean this
0: movie is That's one thing I loved
1: about this movie You never know Who's going to get gobbled up And that's what I like about it
0: People do get killed in this movie (laughs) Unexpectedly a lot of the
1: time People that, because we're so lulled into Certain expectations as moviegoers You're very comfortable You've met this person, you're getting to know them You know sort of the beginning of their little arc you know, and so, oh, that's a clue to me that somewhere down the line, I'm going to see some payoff. I'm going to see this person, see their family or whatever it is. Like you're convinced. Yeah. Not, and then some, some characters now, it could be bad writing or good writing. You see that and then you're actually like, oh, we're not going to get to see his end of his story. You just kind of get the vibe, right? Yeah. Some of those people, we had none of that. It was just, da, 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 boom, dead.
0: So. <laughs> Which I liked. Yeah, so Samuel L. Jackson uh, plays Preston Packard. He's the head of a troop of soldiers. He, his character trait is he loves his soldiers who he works with. He will do anything to. And also, he them.
1: doesn't want to leave the war.
0: Right, that kind of trite yeah. He's, thing. he's
1: upset that the war is over.
0: Yeah, because it's his calling. Like, like without it, he's kind of nothing. Yeah, and like because
1: we've declared that we're just done with this war, we didn't. When he just says we didn't lose, we abandoned it. So right. he has to have, he have to find some purpose, and all of a sudden we give him this big giant foe, and oh, shocking, shocking! He wants to bring it down.
0: And he's he's very noble, and he he's just he, he, you know he's the kind of guy you would want watching your back if you were on an island like that. <laughs> he would help. He would definitely try to save you. Um. So Samuel L. Jackson, he does Samuel L. Jackson. In this movie? <laughs>
1: yeah. Correct.
0: Now, I was trying to think about that. Um, because he does almost always, just to me, play Samuel L. Jackson. And except, I know what like, I'm going to get.
1: Except Kingsman. I feel like he went out on a limb there.
0: Yeah, he did something different there. But I was thinking, is that bad? Because he always does a good job at what he does. Like I bought that character. The character's pretty flimsy anyway, I think. Yeah. But I think he... Did it? I didn't. I wasn't annoyed by him. Uh, he was in Tarzan, and he was really annoying in Tarzan, remember?
1: <laughs> Listen to us, we're getting so old, it's like everyone's getting on our nerves.
0: In Tarzan, <laughs> it was really annoying. They kept giving him like one-liner jokes. He, he did a joke about poo, and one about a dick. It was really out of <laughs> place in like a Tarzan movie. I thought it was stupid. In this movie, they don't go over the top like that with him. He's just serious, he's doing his thing. He doesn't one-liner joke anything, really, does he? No, he's very serious. Yeah, so I I actually thought he was all right. Uh, you know, I wasn't like, oh god, so I'm rolling my eyes like <laughs> he's just going to be. Did you like him?
1: Uh, I'm neutral on Samuel L. Jackson no matter what he does, almost Kingsman, I was happily surprised that he played someone very different and in um, Unbreakable because again, he was a bit different. He kind of took that character because the characters that those are aren't don't have any thread of the sameness with like a worn oh, uh, a soldier who's worn down, and then in Pulp Fiction you've got this guy who's tired of being maybe kind of tired of being an assassin or what you know what I mean like they're all the same kind of character.
0: I liked him in The Hateful Eight, but um, it, it was, yeah. he was yeah yeah it was fairly it was a Tarantino character, and I think yeah. he does those well
1: exactly, and the, he, he fits what he's doing, but sometimes it just me- blends in
0: with the background a little bit. Uh, John Goodman plays Bill Rander. What do you think of him? You can go first on that one.
1: I'm not a John Goodman fan, so...
0: You didn't like him in the awesome Red State by Kevin Smith? Um, I'm being sarcastic. I'm feeling
1: neutral on that one. It's not awesome. I didn't mind him in 10 Cloverfield Lane, I don't think.
0: He's actually very good in that. And I actually like him. In
1: this one, because it's very minimal, I, I in a couple of weeks I, I will have forgotten he was in it. Unfortunately, yeah. He, but in flight, because but he did play a similar characters a lot of times. But still, he kind of stood out. I can't remember him in that.
0: In this, he does not stand out. Um, he is okay while he's on the screen, but spoilers—he does get dispatched <laughs> at some point.
1: But That's really good because it's like
0: what. And Holy he does, shit. so he, so because of that, he doesn't get tons of screen time. He's. He's kind of (laughs) gone. True, true. Um, Brie Larson, and we we talked a lot about her earlier. She plays Mason Weaver. Uh, I think we pretty much covered her. Yeah. I like her, I have to say. I I loved Room, which was a brilliant film. Yes, yes. Um, She is a good actress, but this is, you know, it's not a challenging thing. It's not a...
1: And I feel like she's she's delusional a little bit. Someone's convinced her that this female character... Yeah. It's different and it's not.
0: She didn't do a bad job of this character.
1: Room is a female character who's That's unexpected and yeah. interesting. Not necessarily strong, but unexpected and more interesting, for um, sure.
0: Corey Hawkins plays Houston Brooks. Um, now, I really like this actor. He's an up-and-coming actor. He was in, um, I watched it a, a while ago, uh, Straight Out of Compton. He played Dr. Dre in that. And I thought he was awesome in that movie. And I really liked him in this one, too. But he is that character, again.
1: Unfortunately.
0: This, this is full of those, like, um, I have to refer back again to The Day After Tomorrow, the Emmerich, Roland Emmerich. They write very... He, this is nothing to do with him, but it came across a little bit like something that he would have wrote, because he writes a load of shallow characters and then relies on the spectacle for you to like the movie.
1: I don't think it's just him, Emeril Lagasse, whoever you said. (laughs) I don't think it's just him. Yeah, Emeril
0: Lagasse, that was right.
1: Yeah, it's not just him. A lot of people rely on those. I mean, look at Transformers.
0: Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, unfortunate.
0: The reason you go to see Transformers is to see robots fighting and it looks really awesome. You don't go to see Shia LaBeouf or Mark Wahlberg, really. You go to see the spectacle of robots and explosions. But Corey Hawkins, back to him, he is a really good actor actually go and actually see straight out of Compton it's the um, biopic about NWA the rap group i i do not like rap but i enjoyed that movie a lot it was a really interesting story um but i like this dude and i think he did a good job here he is one of the main characters uh, Shea Shay who you'll know as a character actor you've seen him in so many different things plays Cole Cole has a rather unfortunate ending in this movie <laughs> Uh, what did you Almost think? Almost everybody
1: him? does. He was alright. I I I'll be honest, nobody stood out to me she- as being like
0: Shay Wiggum reminds me of Bill Pullman. Always. I sometimes get them mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I liked him in this. I like him. I like he always again, like Samuel L. Jackson, Shea Wiggum plays the same man. It's kind of always he's a bit bothered by things and he's a bit I'm over everything. Always in yeah. everything he does, and he does that here. But I did enjoy his last scene, <laughs> the last few seconds of his life in this movie, <laughs> were actually pretty cool because <laughs> he was pretty. He was basically a badass. I would give him the badass uh, trophy yeah. for what he did. Yes, but
1: and I like that he said he would be my favorite person. I think, but it not as in like whoa, he stole the show for me. But he was my favorite performer more than character.
0: Right. Um, directed by Jordan Vogt-Roberts. He's done a lot of TV comedy. This is his first movie movie. And the next movie he's doing is uh, the Metal Gear Solid video games being made into a movie, and he's doing that. What do you think of this director? Hmm. Uh, aside I, from, like, you listened to him on the extras, and yeah. you didn't really like his vibe. Well,
1: well, I think that's important.
0: What about the movie? Uh, his- the
1: movie's fine. But it, the person makes the movie, right? I like the movie. Um, but I feel like the reasons I dislike listening to him feed directly into the things I didn't like about the movie. He has wishy-washy characters, and he seemed very wishy-washy and very modern and like, well, we're making a strong female character. And he said so many, um, what's the wo- what's the thing, um, cliches, yeah. that he wasn't saying anything. It was like he's been brainwashed into being something to sh- for show, right? Then when you saw him a couple of times, he was laughing and, and kind of really expressing himself for real. That's where I feel like the spectacle of the movie came out because he directed Del, everything well. But as far as character development, I feel like all the things that I was annoyed with him about listening to him talk fed directly into how he directed the people to be. Yeah, and you know, how he, you know, whatever he had uh, to do with the writing or whatever.
0: You know, it always boggles my mind uh, when a first... How right
1: I am all the time? When a
0: first-time director makes a giant movie like this. Yeah,
1: it is pretty amazing.
0: I think I find that to be, like, how does that happen? Like, they've made some TV shows, and then they make, like, a giant $200 million movie. Like, is there so much help being given to them? <laughs> you know? like. Yeah. I, I don't know, it always blows my mind that somebody brand new can make... Oh, all, not just that, that somebody brand new is put in the position of making a, a huge movie. Like, how that even happens. Like,
1: Just instill, He gives people that bullshit talk he does, and I people it, fall
0: for it. <laughs> well, I, think, I sometimes think it's they've seen something that he's done, and they go, ooh, yeah. that's an up-and-coming person. We need to tap into those and, and get them to do something. So extras on this uh, Blu-ray um, include a uh, two-part exploration of... This sounds like this director talking. I'm just reading off the box. A two-part exploration of the rebirth and recreation of the iconic monster. Um, it also has Monarch Files 2.0, which is it's about this monsterverse. It's dive deep into the organization of Monarch and the monsterverse mythology. There's also a little out about Tom Hiddleston, the intrepid traveller. He takes you around the film's locations in Vietnam. There's some deleted scenes, which we watched all of, and none of them... I can't, I can't actually remember them. That's how good they were. <laughs> and there's a director's commentary, which I will listen to this week. I always do. Um... So, yeah, there are a few extras. It's not crazy overboard, but a director's commentary always gives me uh, some extra points because I do like listening to those. Um, So, in conclusion, what do you think? Did it live up to your expectations? No. It didn't?
1: They rarely do because my favorite, as we were talking about the recommendations, is what it is. And nothing has ever kind of met that yet.
0: Do you think... Do you think but, they're going in the right direction with this kind of movie? With these monster...
1: No with the characters, no. I think that the King Kong guy yeah. himself, <laughs> King Kong as a character, is getting better. And that's awesome. And his world is getting a little more fine-tuned. If not, I have to kind of turn off my sciency brain. Not, I don't have a science brain, but I'm like, anything I do know about science and, and the planet, I have to really turn it off. We're not getting a good explanation still. Ever. Um, But I need the people and the reason that we are finding, attacking, integrating with, exploiting, abusing, killing this creature. I need that to be interesting also. And that's not happening.
0: Right. So the next Kong movie, just leave all the people out and just have fun (laughs) running
1: around. No, have better people. Have people that you take time to get to know and that you make them actual people.
0: I missed somebody out on this list of a uh, cast, so we need to go back and talk about this guy. John C. Riley as Hank Marlowe. What did you think of John C. Riley?
1: <laughs> he's like your favorite.
0: I love John C. Riley and I thought I thought of the you know, they introduce him. And what he is in this movie is he's a old pilot from you know, we're in Vietnam times, so he's actually from World War Two. And he crashed on this um place he crashed and he's been there for all these years and they find him so he has no knowledge of what's happened in the world because this island has never been found so there's a lot of fun to be had with that scenario i think and at first when he came on the screen and he was acting weird i was like oh no he's going to be over the top he's doing he's going to do an man or something you know it's going to be so silly it's ridiculous yeah but i actually got to really like him And then in the end credits, they do like a bit of a... It's the only one touching scene that was in the whole movie for me. You know? They actually finish his character arc off during the credits, if you watch.
1: I mean, he was a little sappy, but it was cute.
0: It was sappy, but sappy enough to be... I was like, oh, it's actually like a good ending, right? Yeah. (laughs) But what did you think of him?
1: I agree with you exactly. In the beginning I'm like, oh no, he's just gonna be constantly corny. But because he's been in this, you have to take his character for what he is. He was a young guy when he got shot down. He's with people who barely speak. He's in an island that's like treacherous. He's tried to escape. Obviously it's just been a hard time, so he probably hasn't matured a whole lot. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he, he is he very kid-like. Yeah, he hasn't lived in a life of you know, to mature. But He knows how serious everything is. He's just kind of lighthearted about it at times because he's like, okay, well, we should never have come here. We're all going to die together. You know, he says it in a way that you're like, uh, uncomfortable, but he's also right. So I thought it was good. Yeah, In fact, yeah, I would say he and Kong were my favorite things. It's it's (laughs) weird,
0: really, because as soon as he was introduced and I love John C. Riley, I was like, oh, my God, this is out of place. What is this?
1: Oh, did you not know he was in it?
0: I knew he was in it, but I, I'd forgot because we don't get introduced to him until in the middle of the movie. True. So I'd, I'd forgot that he was going to be in it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, he's in it. And then it, then he started talking, and I was like, okay. And then when they were, fixing the, they were fixing up this boat that he's been working on, and there was some character interaction, which is probably the most character interaction in the whole film where he's talking back and forth, and he's saying things like, oh, did we win the war? And they're like, which war? <laughs> and then... He makes a joke about the Cold War, and then he makes a joke, you know, he loves baseball, and he asks whether the Cubs have won, and all that stuff, which somebody would ask if they, you know. I thought that was all really good. So, yeah, turns out he's the surprise, and I almost missed him off. (laughs) I I went right past him for some reason. So, yeah, John C. Riley and Kong are the stars of this show. So thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. Next week's review, we will be looking at The Circle, Starring Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. Uh, Movie recommendations this week. I am going on the subject of Kong Skull Island. And I'm going to recommend you the 2014 Godzilla. So you can watch that and then this. In fact, there's actually a double-pack Blu-ray, if you'd never caught that one, that has both movies in it. So I think they are good to watch back-to-back, obviously. And my other one is a monster movie um, called Super 8. Super 8. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, That was uh, J.J. Abrams. Um, That's a good one. It's kind of very Steven Spielberg in the 80s kind of movie. Obviously like an homage to that sort of stuff, E.T., Close Encounters. Um, And it's really, really, really good. Super 8. So yours are?
1: King Kong and King Kong. But, which ones? 1933? In nineteen seventy six. Those are the King Kongs to yeah. watch. Those set my standard but to you, whatever.
0: But not, you're dismissing no, I'm not
1: dismissing it fully. Like if you want to watch the whole all of it, watch it all, but it again, my need for a Kong to be the nineteen seventy six version, but even a bigger Kong and a little less campy with the characters which we have a little bit in the 76 one not a little bit a lot of it um take that and i don't care about redoing a similar story where you're bringing him here i mean i think that's going to happen anyway in this big story arc that they're doing over all the movies but um i like the scope of kong and i want some point for us for him not to be the only one right I think that'll be an interesting, you know,
0: Alright. twist. So that's our movie recommendations, games, and A. Scully stuff. I've been playing some of Watch Dogs 2 this week. Uh, I've actually played it all the way through already and talked about it, but my nephew is playing it. I think he likes it. What do you reckon? Yeah. Um, it's uh, so much better than the original Watch Dogs. If you played Watch Dogs 1 and didn't like it, I think you should give a look to Watch Dogs 2 because it, they... It was so serious, the first one, and this one isn't. It's kind of silly. It's an open-world game like Grand Theft Auto. It's not quite as good as Grand Theft Auto, but what is? I mean, they're the kings of doing this. But um, it's all... The only thing I would criticise it for is it's very millennial. uh, (laughs) The humour in it is all based around millennial uh, culture, like, you know, hacker, um, tech industry... People who work for tech industries. Uh, the bad guy has a man bun on the top of his head. Do You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very now. It's of now, but it's a bit overwhelming sometimes. It's like, wow. It, you know, you're trying a bit hard to be funny with this stuff. We all know this stuff. But yeah, that's the only thing. Only knock I would have on it. The missions and everything. They're really fun. So if you've not played it, and I don't think it did very well. It's pretty cheap now. It's worth picking up. I played more of Overwatch this week. I play it every week. so Next week, uh, Overwatch gets the big patch that adds the new character called Doomfist. So there'll be a new character to play. He's a guy who doesn't actually have any guns. He just has his fists to punch people. So he's like a fighting game character, which is very different for Overwatch. Because everybody has a gun. Or a sword. This guy just has his fists. So I'll be interested to play as him and see exactly how it is. What's going to be weird, though, is when they patch it in this week, uh, when you play a game of Overwatch, you can only one person can be each character. So I think the likelihood of me being able to choose Doomfist to play is very low at the beginning, because everybody will be trying to click on him right to play him. So you usually have to wait for a while until people either hate that character or they just don't play him as much to actually get in and play him. So yeah, that's getting patched in this week. I think it's Thursday. It's for free. Everything in Overwatch is free uh, once you bought the main game, so that's good. And the other thing is, uh, premiered today at Comic-Con is the uh, Ready Player One trailer, which we just watched on our cinema screen, actually. Steven Spielberg is directing, well, has directed, it's actually finished, Ready Player One, which is Ernest Cline wrote a book a few years ago, I, a book that I really love. Um, it's a book about 80s nostalgia and virtual reality, I would say, mixed together. Um, so, if you like sci fi dystopian future type stuff. Sci fi. Sci fi. And it has every reference to the 1980s that you could possibly imagine in the book. Whether all those references will translate into the movie, I don't know. I'm sure some of them will because we saw the trailer today. Uh, you didn't read the book, um, but you probably know about the book because I probably talked about it so much while You I
1: was read some of it to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I also probably told you everything about it at the time. You probably forgot by now, though. Probably. But <laughs> what did you think of the trailer for Ready Player One?
1: It, it got me interested. That's all I can say. Like, it really, really got me interested.
0: And what I can say about the trailer for Ready Player One is I had uh, pictures in my mind of what Wade, the hero, looked like and what his trailer park looked like. And they, in the movie, in the trailer, that is exactly what I was thinking. You know, maybe not exactly that yeah. that actor, but he's a very close representation of what I was thinking he was. Um, and then they show you an action scene, basically, in this trailer. It's a teaser trailer, so it doesn't really tell you much. But they do show you an action scene that takes place inside the Oasis, which is the virtual reality world inside of the movie. And you do get to see some characters that you will know. And you get to see the Iron Giant, which is a, you know, a a geek's cartoon (laughs) that everybody loves. You have never seen it, I I I've not. Iron Giant is a... The voice of Iron Giant is Vin Diesel, believe it or not, before he was... Super famous. yeah. <laughs> I thought he was Vin Diesel. So maybe Vin Diesel will get to reprise his role in this as the Iron Giant. But yeah, the Iron Giant is in this movie. Um, Freddy Krueger, I caught, I saw in the corner of the frame, is in one of the scenes of this movie. Uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future is in this. Not just a DeLorean, but the DeLorean that you all know from the movies. And why you're thinking, why are all these things in that movie? Well, I won't spoil that, but... Suffice to say, this movie's going to be a movie that you will probably want to watch like ten times if you want to spot everything. <laughs> because yeah. it's going to be like an overload of 80s stuff. Spielberg said at the press conference that Jaws will be in the movie at some point. So that sounds fun. So uh, yeah, Ready Player One. It comes out April 2018. I know they're really, really... F- this This trailer is really far out, but it looks like this, you know... This trailer looks like a finished movie to me. I'm sure they've got a lot of work to do yet. Sure. Uh, yeah, it'll be out next year. Excited. I'm so excited. When they said that Steven Spielberg was going to be the director of Ready Player One, I was like, well, <laughs> that's literally the best outcome for anything like this for me. I was thinking, "Who who's going to make that movie? I never even thought of Steven Spielberg, but when they put the press release out, I was like, holy shit, they got the right guy. Because if anybody can do... Sci-fi, and eighties nostalgia, which is he is eighties nostalgia himself. <laughs> he's the perfect guy for the job. Plus, he's Steven Spielberg. So, uh, what is Svenghuli? Said Doc. Uh,
1: Svenghuli is a horror host who shows on MeTV Saturday nights. He shows an old movie of some kind. And he dresses up in a funny costume and he tells funny, slash, uh, quote unquote funny. I, don't know. I would
0: say not funny. Old jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, really bad jokes. Supposed
1: walks into a bar, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and tonight is. <laughs> the Land Unknown. Well, so we're going to go on to some other prehistoric type creatures, we'll say.
0: I think it's like. Sco- I think it's the old version of Kong Skull Island. <laughs> yeah. There's an island, and it's got stuff on it that's going to eat you. Correct. That's what it looks like. Which is it's a coincidence that it, this movie and this movie came on the same day. Um, I don't know The Land Unknown. I've not seen The Land Unknown. I'm assuming it has lots of stop-motion dinosaurs, and, or either men in suits dressed as dinosaurs <laughs> also. If you look at the uh, cover for The Land Unknown, it also looks like it has a octopus coming out of the water. Which also occurred in Kong Island. Correct. Didn't you think that scene was really cool? It was really good. He fought an octopus and then ate it (laughs) while it was alive. It's pretty cool. Like, put the, uh, what do you call them? Tentacles in his mouth. Yep. And they were still kind of squirming around. Pretty cool. Liked it. So what's for dinner today? Tonight
1: is going to be... um, If you wonder why he's asking me what's for dinner, it's because uh, about ten years ago now we became became, decided to be, I don't know. We stopped eating meat. And so vegetarianism is a, it's a, it's an adventure. And so we started talking about what kind of different foods I was finding and cooking for the first time in my life. I was raised in middle America where Velveeta and macaroni and cheese and Velveeta and vegetables and Velveeta and everything else all went together. And you had mashed potatoes and a big pile of meat or bologna and a hamburger and French fries and fried potatoes not and then of course you had your Friday night burritos that you made homemade, but were also very midwesternized, right? So not a lot of variety or adventure. So as a vegetarian I've decided oh, I was I'm just gonna try whatever comes across. So I found a few years ago Gardein, which is D A R G A R D E I N, I think is the brand name. They make Um, veggie meats or veggie protein meat substitute type
0: things. It's like the word garden and the word protein mushed together. Correct,
1: correct, exactly. And so they have these tenders, they call them. So it's like uh, their tofu-y kind of stuff. I don't even know what it is. It's vegetable protein. I don't know everything that's in it. And then they bread it with crunchy stuff, and then you bake it, and
0: they're really good. It's TVP. Is it? Textured, textured vegetable protein, vegetable protein. right. Yeah.
1: And while people listen to me, are like, oh, you don't even know what you're eating. Well, I do know what I'm eating. It's just vegetables, but in a different shape. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, And I don't give a shit if you eat animals. I don't care. I'm not an animal rights activist. But after so many years of us not eating any dead animals, it just it doesn't tempt me anymore at all. I, I don't, don't think even, it ever did. I don't even
0: consider any of it. No.
1: no. I mean, I'll see a, a, a veg a vegetable. <laughs> see, It's on my brain. A commercial of like a juicy hamburger or a roasted chicken or fried chicken. And all I can think is, oh, my God those garden things are so good or my tofu is so good or those veggie burgers we That's made That's generally so good.
0: what I think. When I see like yeah. Burger King advert or whatever, I always think, oh, Gorilla's Prime would be good tonight, which is a uh, yeah. morning star burger. Right. You, you,
1: and because the stuff on the burger was always my thing. I wanted all the stuff, the ketchup and the mustard and the lettuce and the mayo and the onion and the bun. I probably could have had that as a sandwich with a slice of cheese. We're not vegan, so we do dairy and eggs still, but we, you know, That's a whole different topic. Um, So for tonight, we're having the garden tenders and hash brown potatoes. Because this is another thing. People, if I say I'm vegetarian to people, they look at me a little funny. Because I'm quite round. I'm not a skinny, hippy-dippy kind of vegetarian that a lot of people have in their brains, right? Well, here's the newsflash, everyone. Potatoes and bread are not dead animals. (laughs) And so those of us who love carbohydrates and vegetables still get all the bad calories and less protein. So when you mix that all together, I stay with a nice round butt. So there you go. If I was a health freak, we would just have smoothies every day, and that would be it. But that's not the way it goes.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's what we're having for dinner. (laughs) Am I advice, you say? Yes. Some people might not like this, but I'm going to say, I'm going to turn an old phrase on its head, and I'm going to say if, Shit goes bad, and things go wrong, and something's going bad in your life. Take it like a woman. Now, people like to say, take it like a man. What does that mean? Exactly. I don't think men are any tougher. I'm not going to argue that they're not physically stronger in most cases, because I think biology is a different topic than how we cope with problems in life. Because I think that I know more women who have coped with not only their own things happening to them, but they're also the support system for their men. I'm not saying it doesn't go the other way around as well, but let's be real, it doesn't always. (laughs) So take it like a woman, take it with emotion and reason and toughness and some compassion but a toughness that makes you lay it down and say, this is a shit that's going down and this is how we fix it, and tomorrow I'll sit in the bathtub and cry all by myself. Okay? Everybody got that? We're good.
0: <laughs> all right, so I'll remind you about our website, sayscully.com, sit.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to ascully.com, A-S-C-U-L-L-Y.com. Click on the word podcast, and you can listen to all the podcasts right from that page. You can also email me at, ascoli at com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really doesn't want to talk to you. Not and true. F- finally, stay classy, Mr. Kong. Um, I'm sure by the next Kong movie, you will have dispensed with all those pesky humans, and it will just be a <laughs> Kong movie.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.